Also, why had he, had he not told her that he carried a small whiskey flask inside the sphere of his ivory-headed cane, that on his way here along the, along the sea road in the cold night wind, he would sometimes stop to take a nip like some old pan among silver reeds? He swore, of course, that this was not true, that he carried inside his cane a tiny parchment with a message in his own spidery handwriting that in case of his death, J.S. should be informed. She would seem to know his every move, his every step, though undoubtedly he must allow for her tendency to exaggerate in order just to fill these empty hours, her attributing to him, at such times, a more colorful life than he enjoyed, pondering morosely over my mother's knowledge of these sensual, temporal, meaningless events, those he had himself forgotten or dismissed, he would consider in each instance first the impossibility, then the possibility, but finally restored to serenity, his reason controlling him like his almost perfect jeweled watch, which he would sometimes forget to wind, was assured of his own conservative habits and peace of spirit, his punctual mindedness, the fact that he had not been late to the important appointment, that her mind was merely wandering, that she had described nothing which was destructive to him, nothing personal, nothing which should make him lose his self-control, that some of those things which had disturbed and distressed him were only certain universal phenomena which might pertain, in the wildest sense, to anyone, such as the falling stars, the falling leaves, the mere chaos. Or otherwise, as he would ponderously reason, continuing, after the problem was settled, the problem in his mind, why should she have drawn into her unframed picture of his walk through the city streets those things which were distance, the excrescences, the disfigurations, the altering illusions, the vain remorses, the bent profile of an old tramp searching a gutter, the fatuous smile of an old and toothless woman, all those advent adventitious, disconnected images which would be unperceived by the usual detective unless they were related to the case, such as a skyscraper banked by purple clouds, or the reflected skyscraper, such as a dusty sparrow falling. Part of my mother was always in motion, turning like a spindle. Part of my mother was always still, the horizontal person. She lay still, her breast like smooth and ivory-colored hills, her limbs like some far promontory, and she dreamed, as she would say, this perpendicular world of motion, that of her absent lovers whom she feared as she feared seduction, an act of ghostly rape. It was as if she had never married, so brief, so fleeting, so unreal had been her marriage night, and she was always virginal, scarcely aware of a physical act, the touching of hands. She simply had forgotten that she had ever given birth to a child. She was not sure her own shadowed and dented face in a dark hand mirror wreathed with golden building cherubim, some which had lost their faces, her dark, glossy hair drifting over her snow-colored shoulders, her eyes too bright even in the ambiguous death. depth. Who was she? Did anybody know her? Had, her? had Mr. Spitzer's brother ever known her? Mr. Spitzer might well have remained calm, peacefully confused, perfectly possessed, for how could she be sure that he even existed, he with his restrained affability, his lack of any real sense of humor or honor, his trust in law of which he knew no jot, his apprehensive feelings, his oblivion to faces, directions, differences, his failure, failure in the realm of sense. She was not even sure that she herself existed, that it was not all a stupendous joke played upon her, the seeming passage of life, this needless expansion of the firmament, that she had not been artfully tricked into believing that she lived when she was already dead, an evanescence never to be traced. The world was this deception played upon her, and it included Mr. Spitzer with his high silk hat, 
His intricately carved and gilded ivory-headed cane, a great dome, his great velvet cuffs, his cape with its soft folds, the sand grains like diamond sparkles upon his double chin, his vapid concentrations which seemed to her to be the wandering mind, the thoughts sporadic as butterflies swimming before her eyes, as these delusive images. How did she know that they were not both dead, both she and Mr. Spitzer, that old lover of her untouched youth, he whom she had scarcely ever thought of? Could Mr. Spitzer determine whether she had ever lived at all, whether the world had not always been this vast supernatural joke laid upon her or someone poor? Eucrid humanity, which was the only world and was imaginary? She doubted that Mr. Spitzer, with his clouded uncertainties, was in a position to do so, as he was so egregiously deceived, presuming he held the two ace cards he did not hold, and he had always been outwitted by the other player. He was blind, and he did not live, she would accuse Mr. Spitzer, that it was not his life he lived, that his was but a secondary existence, and it depended upon her imagination only. That he was ephemeral as a dog star which disappeared when she closed her eyes. That she had always been dead, this beautiful corpse, she would vivaciously insist. That there were the most amazing things going on which Mr. Spitzer could not see, he being prejudiced by the thought that he was alive. That there were these great balloon fishes trailing their negligee streamers in the enclosed atmosphere. These drowned medusas, these giant crabs like monks, these old apostles walking around the town clock and striking a bell. How could he know? He had, she had deceived him in many ways, yet though she was herself only the deceived, enchanted head to whom had been transferred as through a glass tube the conspiratorial illusion of this unreal reality, the idea of a world, Mr. Spitzer with his inverness, the great cape sloping from his shoulders, the wide heavens unexplored, undiscovered, the period furniture of many periods, Mr. Chandelier, the drifting, fleecy clouds, the inscrutable stars without principal or steersman or dead steersman, the wandering planets, the people with their stained individual features, each separate heart, the snowfall, the rich, the poor, the mottled velvet rags and soiled laces of the rich who dreamed they were poor, the poor yearning for unjust wealth, the left-wing political movement, the right-wing of the dove, the rose petals which were falling on the other side of the world and which should make a loud noise in an empty room, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brooklyn Bridge, like a purple lace glove reaching through the darkness in Times Square, lighted with a thousand lights and Roman fountains flashing in lonely courtyards, obelisks and domes, old houses sleeping in an eternal twilight, tenements crowded with discrowned kings, rabbit warrens and the rabbit streaming of the rabbit god, his nostrils twinkling in the polar sky, all her visions, all her dreams, Greek ships trailing their plumes upon a far horizon, train whistles cutting the darkness like a knife, discords, harmonies, frozen mountains, perfume of oriental hanging gardens where hung the housemaids, their feet twittering like birds, her body the full, liquid eyes, the parted lips, the whirling hair, the birthmark which shadowed her, her veined and plausible hand, the silken embroidered sleeve, the numberless pearls running through her fingers, her hand mirror deceiving her to believe that she existed, the sea paved with human faces and luna moths and glowworms, the wild universe that drifted like a seagull in the wind. Why had her father not allowed to any woman in his house a higher education? She would complain endlessly to Mr. Spitzer, for what advantages had been given to her but walking, dancing, surf riding, horsemanship, harp playing, tennis, and now was she not confused by nothing other than her mind, especially when the drugs wore thin, and did she not suffer endlessly from her lack of any knowledge of arithmetic?
For example, the measurements of eternity, addition, subtraction, and long division, so difficult. All she could do was multiply, divide. Did not Mr. Spitzer see that her clarity was itself a confusion, that she might subtract when she should add? Did not Mr. Spitzer realize, hesitating at the door, and he was wise to hesitate, that there sometimes came in his place a nuncio, a monarch butterfly, the many others, a dead ear, a trihedron. Under the ephemeral sway of drugs, her sensations were so independent of facts, could not unimaginative Mr. Spitzer conceive to her this victory, that she imagined him too, his high silk hat, his pearl button spats, his personality which had engaged the attention of no one else, that he dissolved at a certain point, that there came another when he had departed from her, an octopus wearing seven ruby crowns or only an old, moving Mr. Chandelier with seven lighted candles in his seven crystal hands. Mr. Spitzer was always deliberately gravely upon Mr. Spitzer was always deliberating gravely upon these matters, though he might well never have seriously troubled himself. For example, with a cold dawning suspicion that the lady was aware of his emotions, stops, hesitations, for running through all degrees of splendor and desolation, her dreams and visions, as he himself well knew, could be charted as on a mariner's chart, which shows the course of a voyage through waters which remain unknown although they have been superstitiously traversed before. At certain deeps, certain monsters making their appearances, whirlpools spinning to form the vortex or gulf, great abysses into which the ship falls, dragging the stars themselves to nether regions. It was then that he appeared. Nonetheless, there were often embarrassing collusions of the phantom and the fact, fugitive coordinations of the finite event and the wildest dream, times when her mind enlarged like the glassy heavens, through, though my mother seemed irresponsible, half asleep, half awake, adding nothing to nothing, subtracting nothing from nothing, counting falling sparrows, falling leaves, drops of water, grains of sand, though she seemed to see less than truth and always double, the double hallucinations were more correct than single, two faces more nearly accurate than one, realities always outdistancing verifications, those things impossible being hauntingly possible. Times when what had seemed unreal was proved to be real, such as the return of the dead, which no one can utterly deny, without, through that very denial, admitting some theme of affirmation. The power of love to alter inanimate things and make them live. Times when the sum of all the parts exceeded the sum, though there had been no mistaken addition. And if a part was taken away, then there was only one part more. There were, she was always saying, two worlds, this and its counterpart, a dark star, the other. But which was which, both being multiple and diverse? From an unbiased point of view, always changing, always the same. No great distinction should be made between the living and the dead. The same cruel winds blowing through both worlds at once. The same voices screaming. Thank you.